11.02 and set to go. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell pain issues, health concerns. Bring them on. Dr. Lou is here. Look who's I'm sticking here. around. We have our infamous guest. He hasn't left yet. <laughs> infamous. Uh, you know, hopefully I, get, Still here. hopefully I get some executive from Chorus to listen to me. But I don't think they listen to the station, so. <laughs> wow. Don't say, you say that on your own show, not yeah, on right. mine. Uh, he waits to my yeah, hour to say that. Express are res- the responsibility of the guests. They, they don't belong to Chorus, right? That's, right. <laughs> That's true. Did it start with yep. them today? Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 So right. I have a question for you. How yes. do you cure entitlement? No, no, no. That's not, that, that's not the question. Uh, I'm, I'm having a problem, Dr. Dr. Payne, and I need your help. Help me. Um, I am feeling so confident on the performance and the outcome of my knee transplant that I am I, I, I'm having difficulty holding back. Okay. And I'm trying to come up with a, a decision that makes sense for me in which I feel finally comfortable to keep pushing forward. Right. So, so when you are pushing forward, are you having any problems? No. So then what's the problem? It's just, you know, whenever you push forward, there is a risk involved. You know, when There's do the, you know that you're pushing too much and you may be yeah. having a counter effect to what you're doing? Yeah. So I think right now, and and we went over this, it's, it's going to take about, you know, three to four months for the tissue to actually properly heal. So mm-hmm. you, you, I remember you were feeling better almost within a few weeks. Yes. But I said, hey, tissue still takes time to heal. You might feel great, but on a cellular level, things are still happening three to four months. So the question now becomes, are you just scared because of the psychological component or is there something there that you're feeling? Because your comment about there's risk, there's also risk to any other part of your body being injured anytime you do anything. Okay, the only thing that I feel today is this, that when I go on my knees, you know, in martial arts, you need to go on your knees and, uh, you know, wait. Right. I cannot sit down fully on my heels. So you don't have full range on that uh, side. I yet. have full range, but not to that degree because then you're pushing your weight did down. You, did you used to have that range before? Yes, it was always uncomfortable, but you know now but I so, can so, feel it. I'm yeah, compensating. So there is there is a little loss of range. Um, the unfortunate reality when you create stability with surgery is sometimes you have to give up a little bit of range. So it may, and, and that, that the whole point of that is to prevent the injuries going forward. So a good example of that is when I see people with torn rotator cuff muscles and they, ha- and they get continual dislocations of their shoulder. Um, you know, you and I can move our shoulders up in and around all over the place. When a surgeon goes in and takes those muscles and tightens them so that you prevent um, the dislocation, you lose about you know twenty five percent of the range of motion of your on shoulder on purpose. On purpose, because it's right. that excessive range that could potentially uh, the injuries happen in the end range and in, in in at towards the end they don't happen in the beginning. So the whole thing that happened with your knee, the stability that's been created by having that ACL transplanted, is you're going to have to give up a little bit of mobility, which it sounds like it's not much. Which no, is it's good, not. It's maybe an inch and a half or fine. So. But you have to give that up in order to have stability, and that's actually the what what should be there. So the question that I have for you this is: Should I work on that mobility now? You can, yeah, you can. But here's so: How would you work on that mo- mo- that mobility? Is my next question. Well, you know, through uh, yoga, through you know, yeah. more flexibility exercises for me to use mobility and in uh, actual you know stretching. Yeah. So you can try. The, when we look at the research behind stretching, because, you know, for the last, not so much in the last 10 years, but before that, it was always like stretch before, you know, you play a sport and make sure you lengthen your yeah. muscles. They've done very, very good research where they and take cadaver good, muscles yeah. 
and they'll hang it with like a 20 pound weight just hanging there for days like a hamstring or yeah whatever. just hanging for days and then they take the weight off and within 20 minutes it's back to half of its original wow. length which is the half life so, so warm-up's more important than exactly stretching. so the whole the whole point of that research is is essentially you stretching for 10 20 seconds what we used to do now things like yoga where it's more repetitive and dynamic is actually better that research is more t- tailored towards does static stretching prevent uh, injury? No. The dynamic stretching is better, which yoga sort of mimics a dynamic stretch. Not sort of. It essentially is a dynamic stretch. So, But my point being, will you ever get that range permanently? Probably not. You'll be able to stretch it, and as you're stretching into it, you'll get that range back. But the reality is that ligament is shortened, and so it will go back to its original shortened state. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, there? no, it's, absolutely. It's not, you could do it and it's going to temporarily lengthen it, but it's not necessarily going to, based on the research that we have, actually lengthen it. Because even when people say, oh, I have tight hamstrings, people say that all the time. Yep. The reality is most people don't have tight hamstrings. They just have short hamstrings. Yeah. And the reality <laughs> is you can't do anything about that. So if your hamstring is short, it's short. You can warm up, you can do different things, but are you ever going to hmm. quote unquote lengthen your hamstring or lack or remove the tightness? Mm. Not so sure. Yeah, the uh, this next week celebrates the fourth month of yeah. since the surgery. So I think on a cellular level, you're good there as well. You think so? I think so. I feel happy. You see, I knew I needed <laughs> to talk to him now. But, I think so. You know, it's been interesting because uh, I started rolling about two months ago now, mm-hmm. and very slow. I I didn't use the bottom half of my body to to do my sport. So that has changed my whole mentality when it right. comes to jujitsu. So I my game is improved. Because I can only imagine what will happen when I inject my legs now to this. Right. Yeah, um, exactly. But saying that, I every time I step, I always feel, oh, man, am I doing this too hard? I'm, I, is this too yeah, aggressive? And, and, that's, and I think that's more the psychological component than it is anything, which justifiably so. We are, we are you know, wired that way that we have an injury and then we worry about that injury. That's that's part of being human because if we weren't then you predispose yourself to injury again now the reality about anything is that once you've hurt one area of the body you're always more likely to continually hurt that area of the body because it's either a weak point or it's never going to heal the exact same so i'm not saying you know knock on wood i hope it doesn't happen but that doesn't mean it can't the reality is day to day with the things that you're doing are you at an increased risk versus any other body part being injured maybe slightly but not necessarily you could you could equally Tear something else or hurt is something Is the other else. knee at risk because he might favor he, the... In fact, I would almost argue that everything else in your body is at risk more than that knee because right. that's the only thing you're thinking about. Right. right? You're thinking your of protecting favorite. that one knee, but you're not thinking about, oh, look at the way I'm bending my shoulder. Yeah, the only problem it's is that if you tell ball. me that or my problem... Or we just got to amputate neck down, Greg. I, I, you know, I'm, <laughs> amputate at the neck, all the problems go away. That's it. I'm done. You know, that's always the solution to all the problems. But, you know, the, the, the challenge now is that if my problems are psychological... I'm done, man. <laughs> you will never be able to fix that. No, not necessarily. When I say so, when I say psychological, I just mean that the mind has a component. Like everybody, mm. when you say the word psychological, it automatically means like you know DSM four clinical diagnosis. No, it's just you're aware. You're In my aware. case, that that's more that accurate the D- than not. DC, DSM. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much no for your problem, help, man. I pleasure. really appreciate my it. My pleasure. Good warm up. Take a short break. Your phone calls uh, wide open. The lines. You have concerns like Greg four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sale. Doctor Payne show continues right here. Global News Radio six forty Toronto. It is eleven eleven four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sale. You have pain questions, uh, health questions. Bring them on, uh, Doctor Lewis here until twelve o'clock. Uh, info at paincarecanada dot com. By the way, is the email. Uh, Manny, hi there. Yeah. 
What's up? Hello. Okay, I have a tear on my right shoulder. Yep. And um, ultrasound is taken. Mm-hmm. And it's a tear. I can. I have a terrible pain. Mm-hmm. I cannot lift my hands up and down most okay. of the time. Yep. But I do a little bit of a rehab done about a month ago. Yep. But still the same. Okay. What okay. kind? Help me. Do you know what kind of tear it is? That I don't know. Yeah. So, so that's a very, very important question. Now, what I mean by that is, and and this is something that I, I think I say a lot. Um, not all shoulder tears are the result of people's shoulder pain. So, a lot of tears are just degenerative tears, things that happen over time. It's just wear and tear. The tendon gets frayed, but it's not necessarily um, something that's clinically significant. Now, some tears are, and that's why figuring out what the type of tear is is very, very important. And that's usually... I play tennis, I play volleyball, I play basketball, all kinds of things. I used to do that. Okay. Yeah, so so versus focusing on what the ultrasound says, tell me a little bit more about your symptoms. So you said you have shoulder pain. Where exactly? Um, where exactly means on my right side. Yes. Where in the shoulder, the front, the back, the side, the front okay. and the top and the top. Okay. And yeah. did something, was there some trauma that happened when this started or it's just come on, on its own over no, time? No, no, no. I, I used to play. Mm-hmm. Then I fell down. Okay. I ignored it. Mm-hmm. Now it's a terrible pain. Okay, oh, and no. do you still have range of motion? Are you able to lift things, or do you, or have you not been able to? What I do is I can lift things. I don't have a problem lifting it, bend down and lift it, but I cannot uh, raise up my hand when I have a pain on my shoulder. Now, because of the pain is preventing you, or just because you don't have that range anymore? Uh, both. Both. Yeah, so I mean, with the history of trauma, there might be a significant tear there that was like a tear that happened, a clinically significant tear that happened during the trauma. Uh, but mm-hmm. equally so, there might not be. And, and this is where, you know, when someone says, can you help me? My first question becomes, I need to figure out exactly what's going on. I want to assess you. I want to move the shoulder around, look at the imaging, mm-hmm. and then have a sense of, okay, what's going on? Based on what I find in my assessment, we come to a diagnosis and also a list of differentials. So other things that can mimic that type of diagnosis. That way we're not just putting all our eggs in one basket saying, yes, it okay. absolutely is this. We say it's most likely this, but it could also maybe be you know A, B, or C on this other side. And that's okay. very important for reassessment. And, and it's also important because diagnosis, whatever is wrong, is what's going to tr- determine how you go ahead and treat it. So okay. the way you would, you would treat a full, complete tear of a muscle is very different than the way you would treat frozen shoulder, for example. So okay. uh, And sometimes it, it, it may seem like you have a tear because, again, the problem being is when you whenever you go so, somewhere, health uh, healthcare professional, you say, I got shoulder pain, they send you for an x-ray, and they send you for an ultrasound. And most of the times, x-rays are going to come back with wear and tear, so arthritis, and most of the time ultrasounds are going to come back with some type of tear. And so the question becomes, Mm -hmm. is the tear the significant player here or is it not significant? And so that's where you have to correlate what you see on imaging with what we see in the office. Okay. Okay, so... Where are you located? Sorry? Where are you located? So we've got places all over uh, the GTA, but my assessments are done in Etobicoke. Okay. Okay, so... John knows the number. He can give it to you. You Give me a call, and we'll help you book an assessment. 
Can you give me the number so I can book an appointment? I will give that to you uh, right now, Manny. It's one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. Again, one eight five 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 D R L O U Doctor Lou or info at PaincareCanada Shoulders a weird animal, man. Well, like you said, it's a one joint where it's kind of all over, right? It's yeah, and and it's kind of free floating, right? Like if you don't have the rotator cuff muscles, then your your shoulders just hanging there. Also, it's it's a it's a joint that's more difficult because it has a lot more degrees of freedom, right? So if you think of say the elbow or the knee, it's a hinge joint. It's right. moving one of two ways, but shoulders, hips. Uh, they tend to move a lot of different ways. And now the hip is more stable because of gravity. We stand, so there's stability there um, with gravity. But the shoulder's just hanging there where it's not connected to the ground. So we have our whole arm hanging. And and also, more so, we do a lot, although our hips have a lot of degrees of, of motion, mm-hmm. we tend to just walk in a straight path, right, right, when we're moving around versus our shoulders, we're reaching back, we're reaching to the side, we're reaching up. And so it is a very, very complicated joint. The The unfortunate thing about the shoulder is, is, as I was saying to Manny, is a lot of times people are just told, oh, you have a tear. You have a tear. Yeah, it's thanks. the same as an x-ray of the spine. Oh, you've, you've got degenerative disc disease. And it's like, well, is it clinically significant? Now, I've seen a lot of people that I end up finding clinically significant degenerative disc disease or clinically significant tears. But I also have equally as many people that are told that. And then when I assess them, I say, no, this is... This is not what's causing your pain. This is, you know, normal. We'd find this likely in your other shoulder if we took an ultrasound of that right. shoulder as well. Um, or, you know, if we ultrasound, you know, 100 people in the population, a significant portion are going to have this but not have the same pain that you have. So it's always very important to correlate what we see on imaging with what we see in the office. And that's where I don't want to say we're different, but we definitely do that. We're not, we're not one of those places that's like, here, take an x-ray and that's it. And, you know, I've seen so many people that go to whoever their healthcare professional or their doctor might be, and they'll say, yeah, they took an x-ray and they, or they did an ultrasound or they ordered this. And I'll say, well, did they ever like touch the area, move the area around? Nope. Well, <laughs> it's like. You got to do that. Yeah. I, you, uh, 100% you have to do that. You have to do the physical exam. It's a physical injury, requires a physical exam. It's just as important as the imaging, if not more important to a seasoned practitioner. Like when we've had Dr. Gordon and Dr. Bergav on with the knee, mm-hmm. they've they've said like the MRI doesn't reveal that much more information to them than them doing a physical exam on the knee. Yeah. Now they do it. It's a confirmation thing, yep. but they're they're really relying on their physical exam because when you know something and you know anatomy and you know the way things happen, then the different physical tests that we have. Manipulation we, tells you a lot of things. Yeah, right? we know what structure we're stressing, what things we're aggravating, and as the patient reports back to us on what they're feeling during that, we start to put, put it together. Right. Also, even before the physical exam are the signs and symptoms, the things that people describe. Already that starts to give us a list. Like if someone starts saying something, I'm already building my differentials where I'm saying, yeah, this kind of sounds like this, 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 or this. And then you move on to physical exam Hmm. to rule in and rule out those things. And then imaging should really be a way to almost uh, solidify what it is you're thinking. So if you're thinking, yeah, you know, this definitely is a full tear of of the supraspinatus for sure. Let, let's send you for an MRI to see if it is, just just to make sure, because obviously at that point you're going to need to intervene. Works just like that. Questions, concerns of your own, bring them on, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Dr. Payne Show rolls till 12, right here, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1121, yeah, lots of time for you to call in, ask your questions and concerns as well. Info at paincarecanada.com and one eight five 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 five. Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, what else is happening in your world, pal? Yeah, so, 
you know, again, going on the topic of Manny and, mm-hmm. and, and what we were just talking about, one of the things, I, I had a patient this week who had a knee complaint, and just based on everything she was saying right off the bat, it was sounding like more like a meniscus issue. Mm-hmm. Like she did something, she probably tore a little bit of the meniscus, et cetera. Now, we got her in to see the right people and all that. That's all fine and dandy. But she was telling me that she was at her family doctor's office and told them about this, and it was just kind of like, yeah, just you know, leave it, leave it for a few weeks. It should get better on its own. No, no, again, no physical exam, no investigation, no, no imaging or anything like that. Just saw, it just sounds like, you know, you, you hurt your knee, right? Like that's, that's what people are going to doctors for, right? To be told you hurt your knee, just stay off. I know that. Yeah. So, you know, and, and that for me is a big problem because I think, you know, we've talked about the knee as well. Sometimes with the knee, the sooner you intervene, and actually not just with the knee, but with a lot of different body parts, the sooner you intervene, the better your outcomes are, especially if you're a surgical case, right? So we have we have our knee clinic that if you qualify, uh, if you give me a call and it sounds like this is a, a surgical case, you're not going to, you know, go through all those steps. You're going directly to see the surgeon mm-hmm. because the sooner you intervene with that surgery, the more likely you are to get better. And that's what people want versus if you wait too long, that's when the prognosis goes down. So it just, it's its really a pet peeve when I hear that, when people say, you know, oh yeah, they, they just told me to stay off of it for, you know, four to six weeks and then see where it is from there. Yeah, but that first four to six weeks could, be, could be the difference. Yeah. At the very least, they, you know, I'd be fine if they turned around and said, well, go get some therapy, go, go see some therapist and, and, and get them to assess it. They see this stuff all the time, but to just say, stay off of it. I mean, it's it's crazy. If you're being told that, you need to get a second opinion right away because that's where that's where people don't realize that that's where chronicity happens when when it starts that way. Even whether it's done by yourself or by a professional, because a lot of people even do that themselves, where they say, "Well, I'll leave it, you know, for four to six weeks, and after that, I'll get it looked at." No. Don't leave it for four to six weeks. Get it looked at right away. And it's it's in this day and age, it's impractical just to stay off it. No, well, it's like, fu- you know when we look at um, I don't know you might remember this because you're older than me, but when people had neck pain, do you remember? <laughs> do you remember them walking around with the neck braces? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So doctors before people would come in where they just have some type of muscular neck issue, yeah. and they would be told here immobilize where, it. Yeah, immobilize it. Or or if you had low back pain, it was stay in bed, bed rest for two weeks. Yep. The worst things you can do. Is, is immobilize an area for just a simple mechanical issue, a simple musculoskeletal injury. If it's a fracture or something like that, yes, absolutely, it needs to be stabilized. But simple injuries, and I still sometimes will have, um, you know, older patients come in and say, hey, I hurt my neck, should I get a neck brace? And it's like, no, absolutely not. Like, there's a reason you never see that anymore. And the one time you do see it, you're, th- you're thinking like, what the heck's going on there? Y- usually if you're seeing it, it's because there's a fracture, but definitely not... For a simple like, oh, I woke up with a kink neck, so I put a a, a brace on it. All you're yeah. doing is asking for problems if you do that. Yeah, just yeah. so you just so you know, I've never actually seen the white <laughs> neck thing. I wasn't born when no, Little Rascals were, you, was you, in prime time. Know. Okay, it's not my generation. <laughs> All right, <laughs> you might remember that. You might remember this. This time of Moses when they were... (laughs) But I come over on the Mayflower. Give me a break already. Uh, PRP, uh, what's happening with that lately? Still uh, still happening? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people... um, Again, it's great because 
I say it's great because this the, the next stat that I'm going to say should just highlight how honest I am with people. Mm-hmm. Out of all the people that call me interested out of PRP, I only end up sending, my stat is just over 50% for the PRP. A lot of people, it's not going to benefit you, right? Yeah. So if it's not going to benefit you, I'm not going to recommend something that's just going to cost money and not help you. I really try, and this is the way I do everything. I really try to line up the treatment with the right cases. So whether it's therapy, whether it's surgery, whether it's some type of injection, whether whatever it is, mm-hmm. I really try to do my best when I assess someone to say, here's what I think the best option is. And you know what? People are getting better. And that's and that's really, really important. And yeah, the PRP for the right type of patient has has been doing some very injection, incredible injection things. Injection can work. Yes, yeah. it, can, it has been doing some very incredible things. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Love to talk to you. Nancy, uh, good morning. How are you? Um, well, I'm I'm doing as well as I can, considering okay. uh, it's tough to walk. Sure. Okay. What's going on, Nancy? Um, uh, this is chronic. Um, I fell um, uh, maybe five years ago. I fell off a stage and I landed on my heel. Mm. Um, at the time, uh, the the heel uh, didn't appear to be uh, damaged, but over over time, it's to the point where. Uh, it's extremely difficult to walk on the heel. I get sharp pain, uh, and then it's it's dull, duller pain all the time. Mm-hmm. But there's there comes a time when I can't even put my foot down. Okay, and and in the last five years, what have you done for this, Nancy? Oh, I've, I've, what have I done to help alleviate it? It's very difficult. Nobody seems to be able to um, say if we do this, it can help. I've I've had. Um, uh, fasciitis uh, ruled out. I didn't think it was in the first place. Okay, so 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 what? Ther- so Nancy, what have you done? Any therapeutic interventions, whether it's physiotherapy, injections, medications, yeah, uh, I've done, orthotics? I've done, I've done injections. I've I have orthotics, but I've had to actually take them out because uh, they cause too much pain. Um, I've I've had injections, um, and it has done nothing. And what about any therapy? Physical therapy? I've done therapy, but it doesn't seem to um, alleviate the pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it seems as if every everyone that I go to or talk to, um, they're they're sort of at a loss as to what we can do in order to try and improve this. Was there ever a fracture or, or a anything? Fracture at the knee when I fell, but not not at oh, the heel. Sorry, sorry. Uh, there was a fracture in the calcaneum, I, ah, um, okay. but was never diagnosed. Right. So, okay. Well, you know, it sounds like you've done a lot of things and and you're obviously looking for what else could be done. This is, you're the prime candidate for when I tell somebody you have to come in for an assessment. It's not, this isn't something that I can kind of go through. I have to go through this extensively with you, talk to you a lot more, do a physical exam on the foot, review any relevant documentation, and then we can kind of put together a plan. The reality with this type of issue, it's probably not going to be a one-pronged approach. It's probably going to be a a multi-pronged approach where there's several things that you have to do at the same time to try to help alleviate the pain. And and the other thing that I often tell people that have had chronic issues such as you is you have to be realistic in, in understanding that this isn't going to happen overnight. It's going to take time. It's also not going to be drastic. And really what we're trying to do is, is get you to a place where you can manage it and at least do the things you have to do day to day. So that would be our goal because... 
you know, anyone that tells you that there's there's a cure or there's I can I can eliminate it forever, it's never going to bother you. In my opinion, they're just lying to you, right? So it's scare tactics. Um, but what I can promise you is I can do my very best to try to figure out what's going on and come up with a game plan that can, at the very least, start to help. But that that help is not going to be immediate. It's not going to be overnight, and it's not going to be easy. And and that's usually with chronic issues. I'm very honest with people when I see them about it. Yeah, well, I agree with what you're saying. Okay, so give us a call, Nancy, and uh, um, I'd be happy to assess it. Nancy, one eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou, D R L O U. We return with more of your phone calls. Hang on, we'll get to you right here, Doctor Payne Show, Global News Radio, six forty, Toronto. Eleven thirty one. Back at it. Yeah, four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Star six forty on your cell to uh, call in. Got some questions answered. Uh, Eddie, thanks for hanging on, pal. How are you? Sorry, it's actually Andy, but Andy. I, I, I probably had my mouth full when I was ah. talking to the producer. So, um, yeah, mine's in relation to it's not so much a pain issue, it's more a range of motion issue. Sure. Um, so, it's a very old injury. Apparently, at the time, undiagnosed. Um, then I went in years after and they said, Have you ever fractured this elbow? I went to a specialist mm-hmm. and I said, No. And he says, Yeah, you have. Right. Um, you just didn't know it. Yeah. Um, ha- happens more often than you'd think people that have fractures don't know about it and then all of a sudden some x-ray for some other reason end up finding um incidental finding of a of a fracture yeah and so that's that was their diagnosis and they said that the tendon in the elbow reattached in the wrong way okay. um which is limiting my range of motion um like if you take your left hand and you lay it flat i cannot lay my palm flat facing up so, oh, I see. So you you lack that internal rotation. I see what you're saying. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, is there anything I can do other than surgery that would uh, help uh, increase that range of motion? Well, can you do anything except surgery? I'm even wondering if even surgery can help you increase that range of motion. Maybe if they start to cut away at different things. But, you know, the, the only thing is, is trying, you know, some – some type of exercise regimen where you work into a certain range, almost like you're stretching the area, which I started the show uh, by saying that essentially if you stretch, it really does nothing to lengthen things. But I think if you're religious about it and you do it enough, you might find some small improvement. My next question would become, are you having any issues with that? Like, you know, do you have pain? Is it, is it preventing you from doing anything because you don't have that range? Um, you know, little minor things like I, this is going to sound stupid. I wanted to learn how to play the guitar, and I can't properly grip. Uh, yeah, it's, well, it's not stupid. Play the guitar and make the notes because that that hand doesn't rotate the way I want it to rotate. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. There might be. I mean, I'm a guitar player as well, so there might be ways you can hold the guitar to maybe modify it. You know, I would. Say, you know, I'd, I'd have to honestly see it, and then we could maybe come up to see like where the range is is being limited, and see if there's any type of release therapies, um, and then with a combination of of stretches and things that you could be doing that maybe might have an effect, maybe. Like, again, stretching and those things, uh, the research is not very good on suggesting that it will actually end up lengthening things. The harder thing when you deal with fractures is... I'm interested if it's because of the tendon or because of a bony block. Like a lot of times when you have fractures, the fractures will heal with a callus, which is exactly what it sounds like, a, a whole bunch of bone that's not really laid down in, in a proper manner. It's haphazard and ends up causing like a big chunky area mm. within the bone. And I wonder if it's a bony block. Like if it's bony, then no matter what you do besides shaving it down with a surgeon doing it, nothing's going to stop that. But if it's just simply tendon and muscular stuff, then maybe 
the therapy stuff that I'm suggesting might help a little, but I'd have to see it to be sure. Is that is that what you're talking about? Similar to to uh, scar tissue buildup? Is yes, that... exactly. Well, you can have scar tissue all over the place, but bones specifically, when they heal, will form a callus. But you can have scar tissue building up within tendons and muscles. Now, that type of scar tissue, through some intervention, we can actually break it down on a micro level. So that one is better. But when it comes to bone stuff, you're not breaking that down again unless you go in surgically. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Great. Thanks very much. No problem. Appreciate that. And uh, Melvin, good morning. Hi, how are you? Good. What's up? Um, my girlfriend, she uh, was diagnosed with lupus. Mm-hmm. And she suffers a lot with uh, fiery hands and feet and a lot of joint pain. Yep. And just trying to avoid the whole chemo pills or chemotherapy. Is there anything uh, naturally or any other thing that you could take to help her? Um, that's a tough one. Lupus is a... Uh... Lupus is a bit of a monster. It's an autoimmune disease. It's often called the great mimicker, mimicker because yeah. it mimics almost everything. Um, really, the chemo drugs and the, and the immunosuppressants are really designed to, to calm down the immune system because it's the immune system that is attacking the body. Is, are there natural things that can maybe have a, a complementary effect? I would say yes. I mean, I, I don't think I'm the best person to answer that question. I have a group of naturopaths that work with me that I think could answer that question better. But I can tell you one thing. I, they often don't work in a manner where they say, okay, forget the medical stuff and just do the natural stuff. It's usually in conjunction. And as the symptoms start to get better, then maybe you can tone down on the stuff that's a little bit harsher, like the medication. But, you know, in the beginning, um, it's probably a combination of both, unfortunately, especially with something autoimmune and especially something as tough as lupus. I see. Yeah. It's a, it's not an easy one. And, and again, I, I actually think with lupus as well, having that multi-pronged approach where you're dealing with the traditional Western type of medicine along with, you know, some alternative and complementary medicines is actually a good approach. Uh, but it needs to be done in a manner where both sides are communicating and where both sides are allowing the other to work as well, right? Because so the problem can be sometimes you have Western practitioners that will say like the traditional doctor will say, no, don't do any you know alternative or complementary therapies. And equally so, sometimes you get the alternative therapist that say, don't use the traditional medication. What you want, what I always say is you're looking for integrative medicine where both, both are working together. Um, and I can tell you that the naturopaths that I work with um, will absolutely work in an integrative matter, uh, matter where they're where they're taking into consideration already what's happening on the medical side, and just use things to help that out versus trying to you know stop it or yeah. at, at the very least stop it in the beginning. Are those naturopaths listed on your uh, website? Uh, yes, on different websites that we have through our provider network. Give me a call and I can kind of uh, um, give you more specifics. Melvin, that number, one eight five 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 doctor Lou, one eight five 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 D R L O U is the number. I can uh, squeeze Avril in here before we break. Hi, Avril. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. What's uh, what's your concern? Okay, I hope this is not too long winded. Um okay. I have I have a couple of different issues. It started over a year ago with um, burning under my feet. And um, I went to a doctor who said it's neuropathy and gave me gabapentin. Um, it then spread up my right leg, like this burning feeling. Mm-hmm. I went back to the doctor and she booked an appointment with a neurologist who 
Um, it took me like six months to see. Mm-hmm. Um, he was absolutely wonderful. Did a number of blood tests, um, an MRI, because I also have pain in my back. Right. Now, from my back, then, then also I got this like empty feeling down um, the inside of my left thigh. Mm-hmm. And um, so the neurologist um, did a nerve conductor test. Yep. And from the MRI said that I have stenosis and spondylolisthesis and degenerative disc disease. Mm-hmm. And he said that I need to see a surgeon, but it's going to take at least two years. Okay. Now, I'm in agony. Mm-hmm. Um, that's number one. But then all, after I saw him, I started to get pains down my arms, down my legs, like this flu-like feeling in my body. Went back to my family doctor. She said that she thinks that it's fibromyalgia and sent me to a rheumatologist. Mm-hmm. It was so difficult to get an appointment. Um, they were looking also at lupus. My blood test results came back like low positive, which apparently 10% of the population have anyway. He doesn't think that it's lupus, but I'm going for another test. Sorry about this long message. No, it's okay. Um, so um, he didn't tell me it was fibromyalgia, but before I was leaving, I said, my family doctor thinks it's fibromyalgia. Um, I know there's an 18-point test, which she had tested me on. Could you test me on that? And he like went, oh, okay. And he tested me and said, yeah, you have fibromyalgia, go to your doctor and she'll recommend uh, what you should do based on what I'm sending her. Mm, right. Okay. So, so, so I'm a mess. yeah, so you're not, not necessarily just hang tight. Uh, we're going to go on break and we'll, we'll tackle this after the break. Stay there, uh, Avril. You as well have time. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Dr. Payne Show continues till 12 o'clock. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Yeah, you still got some time if you have questions uh, for yourself or possibly a friend, loved one, family member. That's cool. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Avril, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging in there. So Okay, Avril, so, so you think you're a mess. You got a lot of stuff going on for sure. I, I don't necessarily think you're a mess. It's just when all of these things happen, it's very, very scary for people, and, and you're looking for an answer. So let's start Let's start with where we know um, with uh, the low back and the and the stenosis and the spondylysis and those things. Those well, things are, also are two trapped nerves, so I've got a lot of pain. Yeah, so those are not things that are being made up. Like stenosis is a diagnosis on imaging. If they're seeing it, it correlates with the, the symptoms and the neurologist is saying it, then yes, you likely have... Uh, stenosis in your in your lower extremity that's creating that pain. Now, the next thing that happens is you start complaining about pain or the numbness and tingling and those things up in the upper extremities. So here's the thing. When people are experiencing pain, um, you you start to, how, how do I put this? You start, once you live, the reason why people with chronic pain have so much pain is not just because they've had an injury or something like that, but it's also because they internalize all of their thoughts. So every time, and and if this is resonating with you, let me know, like you probably spend a lot of time thinking about the things you're feeling in your body. And if you spend enough time thinking about the things you're feeling in your body, you're going to feel more and more things because there's little things happening in everybody's body all the time, constantly. And um, 
when you're there and you're focusing in on it, you can amplify. You're essentially plugging your brain and, and all of those receptors into an amplifier and you can hear everything. And especially when you're uncertain of what the diagnosis might be, then you start to, you know, maybe freak out a little bit in that sense. And it creates this dangerous spiral. So, yeah, and that's a se- hundred percent correct. And I do suffer from anxiety. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I, and I knew that before you even told me just based on everything you said, um, which is fine. And, and that's part of being human. We, we are meant to have anxiety when it comes to our health because that's, that's what we're afraid of. We're afraid of being sick and dying and those things because that's what life is about. So that's, that's natural. But so there's a couple things here. So number one, when you're tackling this type of issue, and when you look at something like fibromyalgia, that's all fibromyalgia is. People say, some people will say fibromyalgia is not real, but fibromyalgia is real. You have widespread pain that's often due to a heightened nervous system, to a heightened sense of anxiety and thought that creates all of these things that you feel in your body, or maybe not creates might be the wrong word, but at the very least amplifies everything that you're feeling in your body. So a lot of when, and it doesn't matter, don't focus in on the term fibromyalgia. All that matters is you have widespread pain. The important thing that we look for is that the widespread pain is not due to anything malignant. That's number one. So make sure it's nothing that could kill you. And it doesn't sound like it is. So that's good. Now, the next thing becomes, well, how do you treat this, non, uh, this non-malignant pain that you have? It's, it's a, it, you know, the stenosis is, is one thing, but with everything else, it's also about distraction and, and, and getting your mind on the right path. So it's a very, you, if you think you have a long winded, um, uh, story for us on how you got there, I have a much more long winded story on how you can start to turn it around and go the other way. This is where you need to see me for an assessment. And in that assessment, we can go through all of these things. But essentially the one thing that I really wanted to highlight is that when you go through something like that, where you have an initial injury of something, and then, you know, if you're an anxious personality and all of this thing, these things, you start to feel things other places in your body. And as you do that, you create neural pathways that will create that pain even more or make it louder. And you need to stop that. And I'm not saying that for you right now to stop it, but the whole point of, of the intervention is that you need to find a way to, to stop that because the more you do that, the more you will continue to to feed it. And as you feed it, the stronger it will get. And so, you know, it doesn't sound like you have anything, uh, again, malignant going on. It does sound like you have widespread pain. You can call it fibromyalgia. You can call it chronic pain. You can just call it, you know, stress, whatever. There's a lot of different names for it. But it doesn't mean that you can't treat it. And, and I think it's worthwhile for you to see me for that assessment. And then we can go through a plan on how you can go the other way. Sounds great. Now, okay. the, the other thing the neurologist was, he didn't like the um, report that I got from the MRI because I didn't go through him. I managed to get an emergency appointment and they gave just a very short review. So he's booked an MRI of my back, one of my neck and one of my head just to yeah, good. rule out everything. Perfect. Right? And that's good. That's good. Which that... is fantastic. But yep. To get these appointments, uh, you know, it's just like taking forever. I mean, you can yeah. now. Well, now, now the, yeah, this is now we're talking about the politics behind healthcare. That's That's a whole different show. But, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Our system, in a sense, is very, very broken because it takes a long time to get these things. And people, one of the things that's interesting when we talk about the pain and the opiate crisis, another thing that people don't realize is the amount of time it takes to get these things that would put people's minds at ease because you having all those MRIs will help to put your mind at ease that you don't have something wrong going on. If you could put someone's mind at ease sooner, they don't eventually need an opiate. 
right? So, so right. it's a, it's it's a yes, it's a broken healthcare system in that sense. That's a I could spend hours talking about that, uh, but you know, let's deal with what we know we have and and the system that we have. Come see me, and and I'll help reassure you and and see if we can do something for you. Avril, it is one eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou, one eight five 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 five. D R L O U. Info at paincarecanada.com. Get it happening. I see you there, Cat. Uh, we'll get to you and your phone calls as well in the last few minutes of the show. Doctor Payne Show, Global News Radio, six forty, Toronto. When the show is done, contact very simple one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U info at paincarecanada.com. Uh, Kat, thanks for hanging in. How are you? I'm good, and, and you? Good. What's uh, what's going on with you today? Okay, um, I am actually uh, uh, a first time listener to the, this show. I, right. John, I hear you all the time uh, on the Employment Hour and Turn Show, but this is the first time. So, uh, you had a couple of callers that talked about pain and lupus and autoimmune. Yep, and I just. Well, I would like to share my story um, because I, I've, I've had a, not a cure, but um, a, something, a natural product that helped me, mm-hmm. um, and I don't no longer have to take pain medication. Right. So, and I, and you can absolutely share your story. The one thing that I will say for the listeners is all of these things are always, and and I'm, and John knows me very well. I'm a believer of anything that works for anybody, but Mm -hmm. it's very dangerous to think that something that works for one person can work for everybody. And and I say that for natural products Mm -hmm. as I equally do for, um, you know, medical products and whatever. So I I, I would love to hear your story and know what worked for you, but I just want a blanket statement for our listeners that this doesn't mean that it can work for everybody it That's might be right. worth having a conversation with your healthcare provider for sure i'm i'm a big believer in always trying everything try everything okay. try it with someone who knows what they're doing as long as it's guided the right way but yeah let's hear your story okay um one one thing i will say is that this particular it's a mushroom um, um and it there are over two thousand uh published medical studies uh that talk about how it helps with um uh cancer Eleven different types of cancer and uh, blood pressure and uh, Parkinson's and, and all kinds of things. But my, I started it because I have no cartilage in my knee, so it's bone on bone and very painful, a lot of inflammation, um, and um, uh, you know that, that was the, the trouble. Now the pain medication I was taking was causing my my blood pressure to skyrocket. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also getting migraines. Um, and I had acid reflux. So there's a lot of different things that, that I was dealing with. Um, the, um, uh, my, my chiropractor actually recommended this, um, and it, um, it's called Ganoderma lucidum. Okay. Uh, it's a reishi mushroom, mm-hmm. and it's been used in China for over 3,000 years and whatnot. Okay. So that, uh, when I, within six weeks of taking that, um, I, I was on two different kinds of blood, high blood pressure medication. I'm down to one. Mm-hmm. Um, I no longer take naproxen for the pain yeah. and inflammation. Um, I no longer take migraine medication. Mm-hmm. Um, and I no longer take acid reflux medication. Awesome. Um, and so, I mean, I, I, from time to time, I'm a dog walker. So, you know, the, I, get a, I do get leg pain, but not, not the swelling and inf- the inflammation, the burning that I used to have. And yeah. um, I... I I was uh, in December. I was told I would need to have surgery within three or four months. That right. uh, I needed to lose some weight, and and then they would do the surgery. And I'm still feeling like I don't need the surgery right now. Good. Um, yeah. And, yeah. No, Cat. Okay. I think thank you, like very much, for mm-hmm. the story and and for 
Um, you know, for again, I, I'm a believer that there's there's a place for everything that we have in healthcare, and uh, you know, if it worked for you, that that's great. My my only concern becomes when these things are always blanketed as this is going to help everybody with mm. their issue. This and even and even like the PRP, I started the show by saying like we're not. I'm not advertising PRP and saying everybody with osteoarthritis, your knee, come see me, come get an injection. Um, I'm going to help everybody. I match it up with who I think it's best for. Right. And uh, and it's nice to hear stories like that, that people have found things to help them get better. And I think that should be the end goal for everybody is e- everybody will find it's even like dieting, right? Like some people will swear by the no carbs. Mm-hmm. Other people will say, no, 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 you have to do the high fats. Right. Other people will say, absolutely not. You just got to be vegan. Uh, and and right. something works for you, not necessarily for me, et cetera, et cetera. You find it and pain management is the same way that um, sometimes you try different things. Sometimes it's as simple. I've met people that said uh, they had chronic pain. They started waking up and going for walks every morning for 30 minutes and their pain was gone. Great. Whatever whatever it is that works for you to get you better, sometimes it's even just the belief. CBT. Yeah, right? the, just the belief that you're going to be better. But you know what? I can't remember who said it. It might have been Sir William Osler um, who said that any practitioner that doesn't use placebo to their advantage is an idiot. And it's true, right? Like any practitioner that wants wow. to discount the significance of placebo is just being stupid because if placebo helps then it helps. It is what it is. And that's the, you know, it's saying I've heard doctors do that before. No, it's just in your mind. We want to find the real cure here. It's, it's helping. The real cure is our minds. Right. That's the thing it is. And I say that for everything. I think once you, there's, there's even surgery. If you're going in, you could have, I I don't know, you need a knee replacement. Mm -hmm. If you're going in thinking, and you've got bone on bone, like everything in research, clinical practice says, yes, this knee replacement is going to help. If you are thinking, no, this isn't going to help me. I, I, Guarantee you're going to have a rough time. It's yeah. always about having an open mind with whatever it is that you do. And uh, uh, and and in having that open mind, that placebo effect is created. And placebo is very, very important. Now, consultations before we wrap, phone for one free, of those. Free phone me, consultations. Right? Yeah. That's you call me, leave me a message. I'm going to call you back 24 to 48 hours. Uh, we'll have a discussion about your issue. If Again, if it's something that I think you're on the right path, I'll simply suggest that. If I think you should be seeing somebody else, I'll suggest that. If you need help finding a certain person to see, I'll help you with that. Or if I think I can assess you and maybe add some value to whatever it is that's going on, I will let you know. But that it's just that simple. Till next time, email info at paincarecanada.com. Pardon me. And that phone number one last time, one eight five 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 Dr. Lou D R L O U. Till next week, Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, six forty Toronto.